Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable with me, Sean Phelan. This week, I once again put your questions to the RFU's Rugby Development Director, Steve Granger. This is his second live Q&A with us, and you can catch that first episode out in the archives at fybrugby.com. But before we get started, I need to thank our friends at Rugby Store for supporting our show. At rugbystore.co.uk, you can now pre-order your brand new 2021 British and Irish Lions tour shirt made by Canterbury. Visit rugbystore.co.uk to get yours ahead of the release on the 28th of October and you can get 10% off your brand new British and Irish Lions shirt by visiting rugbystore.co.uk and entering the promo code FYBPOD that's F-Y-B-P-O-D at rugbystore.co.uk and I thank them for supporting our show. Now let's get to our Q&A with Steve Granger. There are a few technical issues but stick with it, it's a good one. Let's get on with the show. Yeah, I'm, Sorry, I'm good, Sean. I can uh, I can see you fine, but and see you, but you keep dropping out. Okay, uh, we'll we'll see if this works. Uh, so Adam Gillings on Twitter asks, "How well? We might as well go straight to the deep end. How likely <laughs> will rugby return before Christmas?" <laughs> <laughs> God, if I had a pound for every time I'd, I'd, I'd been asked that question in the last few weeks, I tell you. Um, I mean, we, we, I think our position, well, I hope our position's known now, but let me recap anyway. I mean, we, we've been pretty clear. We've been in positive discussions with the Department for Culture, Media and Sport, DCMS, uh, about a return to, to full contact rugby. Um, as you probably know now, every time you su- submit something, it has to go into DCMS, Public Health England, have to look at it. Uh, it then goes in the cabinet office, it then goes into number 10, and uh, we're somewhere in that system. Uh, and we have been now for a, for a couple of weeks, so we're talking to them every day. I'm sure we all understand the, the sort of situation that we're in and the, the probably the bigger challenges there, but it's it's still our absolute ambition to get something more than 10 aside non-contact rugby being played uh, as soon as possible. I mean, I would hope it'll be well before Christmas. Oh, let's hope so. Let's absolutely hope so. Um, a lot of people need it. A lot of people want it. So let's, uh, you know, touch wood. But I guess with everything that's going on, it's, it's such a hard question to answer, isn't it? It's well. It's ultimately, it's a. This is a government decision, and uh, you know, who'd want to be in government at the moment? I guess with all the different priorities and different things that they've they've got to they've got to deal with. I mean, where, where we are trying to get to is. Uh, there's a whole host of other team sports playing, either in an adapted format or a, a full format. Uh, some of the indoor sports are, are being challenged at the moment as well because they're not being able to to, to play. Uh, but we know that uh, it's it's absolutely in the interest of all of our clubs and all of our players that we we get back to to rugby as soon as possible. Uh, full contact would be the absolute aspiration. Uh, if we have to take adaptations, I guess we have to take adaptations. It's probably better than non-contact. Has there been any thought about going back a step or two? 
No, I mean that we've not uh, we've not hit that at all, even in the the tier three uh, areas. Um, there, there doesn't seem to be any uh, compelling evidence that there are um, you know the infection risk on the pitch is 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 perhaps as big as anybody even anticipated in the early days. I think the biggest concern for everyone is changing rooms, uh, clubhouses. Uh, travel to and from matches, you know, the close proximity, indoor indoor stuff. So uh, touch wood at the moment, uh, outdoor team sports that have been approved through the framework. So for us, the, the 10 on 10 non-contact variant, there's no reason why that can't continue everywhere at the moment. Excellent. That's, that's great to hear. Really is great to hear. Um, okay, so uh, we've had another question from, from Adam Gillings again. Um, and this is one that's actually been asked a couple of times already. Um, the the new RF structure. Could you explain a little bit more about that and uh, what it's going to look like? Um, well, soon as I guess. Yeah, I mean, we the, the the structures out there now. We've communicated it out to to clubs and to constituent bodies in our community game update. Um, that those that that those sort of back copies are available on our website but Sean I can I can ping the structure through to you tomorrow and you can you know happily circulate it to to people that are on this uh this chat um as I think we said last time on the, the when we came on uh we've unfortunately had to cut our staff as I think most people are aware uh we're we're back operational from the 1st of November uh although we're very conscious that a lot of those staff have been on furlough for you know, six months plus now. So they're going to take a little bit of time to, to just get onboarded again. Um, we've got less people on the ground, um, but we think we've got them in pretty focused roles. Uh, three three major priorities for us. One, uh, around um, supporting our clubs and ultimately supporting those clubs to support themselves and to be sustainable. Uh, secondly, around uh, coaching and refereeing, making sure that we've got quantity, quality of coaches and referees uh, out there, increasingly able to adapt to what's clearly a very uh, different environment. And then thirdly, a real focus on on player experience. So perhaps the traditional side of the game in terms of competitions and leagues and cups and things like that. But secondly, uh, how do we re- how we retain more players and how we grow the grow the overall um, the overall player base? So how, yeah, how it's you, probably easier to look at the structure. Okay, yeah, we'll put the structure. We'll uh, we'll put it in the show notes and and everything like that, so people can see. Um, so, okay, we've got a couple more coming there. Then, so the structure the structure is in place and it's ready to start on the first of November. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Cool. Um, from Natalie Eccles, do you think there'll be long term effects on rule changes following COVID? We've seen in the Premier 15s that they're playing a an adapted uh, game. Is that what we're sort of heading towards? Uh, no, I, I, I mean I don't think so. I don't think there's any intention to do that. I think the 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 law changes that have that have come about are literally to enable us to get to get the game played. Um, okay. And I think you know there's there's different views out there, aren't there, from people that have watched this? It's a it's a faster game. It's a, perhaps a more furious game, but we need to be really really careful here that we don't sort of lose the importance of the uh, the scrum and the front row that's it's the differentiator of our 
our sport. Um, does it does it maybe lead to a discussion going forward about different sorts of variations and allowing people greater flexibility at local level to maybe adapt things? And you know, the important thing at the end of the day is we've got people back on a rugby pitch. Um, so you know, might it lead to greater flexibility if people want that? I would suggest that's probably a positive thing. But there's, no, you know, there's no, there's no desire here. You know, we we haven't created COVID to uh, to create law changes, <laughs> which I think sometimes a few people <laughs> think uh, think we're trying to force things in through the back door. That's absolutely not the case. <laughs> no, uh, definitely not. But yeah, it would be nice to it would be nice to scrummage again at some point soon. That's for sure. yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, can't can't be doing any more of this running stuff. <laughs> let's let's have a scrum. Let's have a rack or, or more. I think. God, never been so fit in my life. <laughs> um, thanks. Uh, no. Steve, did you hear that question? Uh, no, you froze. You froze again there. But I can see—is it—is it the one you've got up there, Sean? The thoughts on travel from yeah, what, level three. What thoughts on? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm presuming that what we what we're thinking here is the the, the tiers, the, the tier one, two, three, yeah. and the the, the 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 risk levels. I, I mean, I think the important thing here is that that people just have to follow a local guidance um it's becoming more and more difficult to keep on top of this clearly government are putting areas into lockdown and then the local authorities and the mayors in those areas are able to impose restrictions on top of that so i think the important thing is people locally sort of getting a handle on that at the moment there are no uh, as far as we are aware there are no bans on travel from into different areas they're they're Travel is advised not to take part place from one area to another. So I think at the moment the advice is, you know, people shouldn't travel into Greater Manchester unless it's absolutely essential, for example. Um, and I, I I think it's it's part of our responsibility as a rugby community to try and abide by that uh, wherever we possibly can. And hence, I think, the need to think about localising competition and localising training uh, but clearly we, we we have situations don't we where players may well um, live in one area work in another area and play their rugby in another area so I think people have just got to use real common sense at, at, at local level here. Definitely and are we hoping that some will get some sort of local whether it's a league or whatever when, once rugby commences is it going to be a more localised for the next few months or is it, are we planning just going back straight and what it was? No, I mean, again, like, like, like we talked about, I think last time we were, we were on with you um, and, and again, be interested in people's views on that. We've, we've seen a pretty significant shift over the last four or five weeks from, um, you know, we've got to be full on, full league rugby, full contact rugby. That's all we're going to play to just get us playing rugby in some way, shape or form. Uh, lots of discussions been going on over the last few days. Um, 
think over the over the weekend and into next week we'll we'll be in a much clearer position about what what does this mean for the the league structure you know are we better off just uh introducing something where uh promotion and relegation's gone for this year and 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 we're just in a position where clubs are encouraged and supported and uh to play more local more local games there'll be some that want that in a structured environment and there are some that that, that probably won't sorry um, my connection is having them there tonight okay ho- hopefully i'm okay and everybody's picking up what what i'm saying i think the essence is you know play local wherever possible I don't know if we've, it looks like we may have lost Sean here. I don't know. Can, uh, sorry, back? sorry. Yeah, no, the mayor this evening. Oh, anyway, right. Uh, where did we get to? Sorry. Um, so this is from Natalie following on from the question about women and women's. Yeah, I think we've just, I think you might have just jumped one. You might have just jumped one, Sean. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Be handy. That'd be handy, wouldn't it? Sorry. Uh, uh, no, I, will we see more investment in the women's game? Uh, I think we've just. I think you might have jumped one. I don't think we got okay. to uh, to Heather's there about the future okay, of women's grassroots rugby. So I think they followed on, didn't they? Um, <laughs> what I, I mean, I the, think. What is the future of the women's rug, grassroots rugby in regards to financial backing to keep these teams alive at this uncertain time? How will games happen if we have teams in? uh tier two and three area yeah i mean i th- i think that the tier the tiered area is 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 more challenging in the women's game arguably because we've not got as many teams they're more spread out so localizing things proves a little bit more a little bit more challenging and particularly the sort of variations in in level um i think we're just gonna have to we're just gonna have to work through that in a transition season i, I think it's absolutely crucial that we um, put a real focus on uh, keeping the women's game alive. If that means you know more teams playing each other three or four times throughout this season at local level, and just getting those games played and and keeping those players engaged, it's it's crucial. The the, the work and effort that's gone in uh, at local level, volunteers and players and clubs over the last few seasons to grow the women's game. Uh, it, it, one of the greatest fears, I think, is that that sort of falls off the, the cliff quite quickly. I think in terms of the financial backing situation, uh, what's encouraging is that in conversations with clubs that we have now, more and more of them see the women's, I'm not going to call it a section, but the women's teams a much more integral part of the club. And I yeah. think that's what we've got to keep driving home. This is not a women's section in a men's club. It's a rugby club in which the men's game and the women's game is is played, uh, and and one of our main objectives going forward is to to support clubs to support themselves to be more sustainable and less sort of reliant on 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 maybe other other people. 
And I would have a very, very strong argument here that uh, a club that doesn't invest in the women's game and that doesn't support and engage in the women's game is not going to be a self-reliant and sustainable club in 10 years' time. Uh, so I think the importance of the women's game inside the club and, and, and hence I think we've got to look at the, the club that that rugby is being played in to make sure that they invest and they back and they support the continuation of that of that team. You know, we, we want to desperately try and break away from this men's section, women's section to uh, a rugby club in which men's and women's World rugby is, is played. Well, we're one club uh, uh, it, philosophy. It's, it's, it's crucial, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's the team. and I, you know, I, I, I have to say, yeah, and it might be, time. you know, some 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 may regard it as a bit controversial, but I actually think that a that's what people expect nowadays. It may not be what our players twenty or thirty years ago expected, but I think, particularly as we do some work with uh, with teenagers and, you know, why they're dropping out of the sport or why they want to stay in the sport, there's just an expectation nowadays that this is going to be a dual gender sport. It's it's not going to be a sort of a male environment or a female environment or a male and female environment. It's going to be a rugby environment and, and everybody's in it together. So I, I, think, I think this is a key to retaining the sort of teens and 20s and 30s generation. And it's also key in terms of um, recruiting new players, new players in. I think we, we might have talked on the last one of these about some of the clubs who've started to perhaps run Friday night under lights activity in pre-COVID conditions yeah. where they've maybe run their under 18 boys and under 18 girls back to back on a Friday night. And they've seen, you know, huge numbers coming through the through the door. So let's let's use this as an opportunity to really unite the club. Definitely. And sort of on that going forward, then Bethany says, uh, with you mentioning playing more locally, some women's teams don't have that option since their leagues are in multiple districts. How would you say that works? Yeah, I mean that's that's what I was just saying, Bethany. Really, I think it is it's inevitably more challenging because if we if we think about the the number of male teams across the whole country is probably fourfold what the number of women's teams is. That means that the geography just isn't isn't going to work to quite the same degree. Uh, it might mean that travel distance is slightly larger, but we've still got to try and keep this as local as we can. You know, local might mean. 40, 50 miles rather than, you know, 10, 15, 20 miles. It might mean a lot more than that in some parts of the country, but reducing it as much as we possibly can. I mean, we can't create new teams out the ether and we can't put teams where they're, where they're not, but keeping it as local as we can. Maybe, as I say, maybe uh, accepting that we might have to play the same team on more occasions than we would normally do, but at least we're, we're getting games and we're, we're getting rugby played. But again, if anyone's got any bright ideas on that, hey, we haven't got all the solutions here. <laughs> so uh, bright ideas might, always welcome. <laughs> this might sound a bit sort of controversial, but is there uh, is there a um, feeling or, or that might lead you to think that women's rugby might get saturated if there were more and more local teams 
there'd be too many clubs for the amount of players coming into the game. I I, I, don't, I don't think. I mean, I you know, my, the, the aspiration has to be, doesn't it? Uh, over course, yeah. a period of time, whatever that is, that every every club has a has a female team. It's just hundred oh, percent. It's how it's you know it's how it's how quickly you can it's how quickly you can do that. Um, we, we we've seen you know huge interest over the last couple of years, particularly in the teenage years. What we've got to really do is make sure that we don't make the same mistakes that we've made in the men's game. Uh, and, and that's the danger. You know, we fall back into, we what need a league structure. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, league structures, promotion, relegation, everybody aspiring to, to climb when not everybody wants to wants to do that. Um, maybe that there's, there's always a challenge of going from single age group rugby to open age rugby. Uh, and I know there's, you know, at the moment in the women's game, we, we're talking about, two-year age bands at under 15 and three-year age bands at under 18. And, and absolutely, ultimately, you want year-on-year age bands, but then you create the same problem that you've got in the, in the men's game, which is we play with the same age group for seven years, and then all of a sudden we go into open-age rugby. So we, we, I think we need to have a real... A real reset. look at this, a real, yeah, a bit of a bit of a reset button on 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 all of this, um, and it must be our aspiration that every every club has a women's team, but that's not going to happen right now. It's probably not going to happen in three years. It may not happen in five years, um, but but at some point in the next decade, surely that should be our aspiration. And the growth, the growth over the last decade, if that can be replicated again, then the potential is is absolutely there to do it. Well, yeah, let's let's hope so. Let's hope so. It's been brilliant in the last, especially with the inner warrior camps and and everything that goes around that. Let's you know, let's hope that we can continue building that, and uh, yeah, we get to that goal in in five years and ten years beyond. Okay, so we've got uh, Circle Full Cuthbert, <laughs> great name. Uh, do you envision the current twenty twenty one season being scrapped completely? Or will there be some shortened league playing only one fixture against each team? Or do you see it being something else? Uh, I think we've sort of answered that one. Yeah, we answered I mean, that I, one at the top, really, didn't we? By saying we hope, hope, yeah, hope not. I mean, I think I think what what you have to look at here is is um, is the whole competition integrity thing and and how long you can make this last. I mean, eighteen nineteen was a normal season. 1920 was a curtailed season. So if you have another sort of curtailed, aborted, shortened season in 2021, what does that start to do for competition integrity? There's so much unknown at the moment around... I don't think it's just competition integrity, though, is it? I don't think it's even just competition integrity. It's, It's players and players not wanting to play and having not having yeah. an opportunity to play and clubs not having the opportunity to put on games which sort of goes hand in hand and that's when we might see players even more players dropping out of the game and um yeah even more clubs, think, clubs dropping out of of entirely I, th- I think maybe the thing and i mean you know sure you you've done you've done great work in this area already through um through fill your boots that the the issue is if you if you've got um, in a challenging season, which we're going to have, 
if we've still got a league system with promotion and relegation, the pressure and the need to get 15 plus players out is really challenging. And then we're going to get fixtures cancelled. We're going to get fixtures canned. Whereas if we could get back to, you know, the, the, in, a, in what is an unprecedented season, the principle of that we've been trying to push around game on, you know, just get the game played. If I'm going to come and play you next week, and actually there's not a huge amount at stake, but we just want to get our players played, and you've got 13 and I've got 12, why wouldn't we just turn up and get the game played? Because uh, that's still 25 players that have had a Absolutely. game of rugby. 100%. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Let's been you know, um, calling for for things like this. They they have it in the Welsh in the Welsh sort of second and third team leagues where yeah. you just play, just whatever you've got, just play. And I think actually ten aside, ready for rugby at the moment is 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 a good way of getting ten people, twenty people out every week. Whereas you might not be able to, or you haven't been able to for for. Six months or so. Cool. Uh, what we've got? If you want to ask questions, please just put them in the comments. We will we will get to them. Uh, we will get to them all. Uh, we'll get to as many as we can. Um, uh, have I got a question? Uh, yeah, I guess I, oh, I should do. Uh, I should have wrote loads down. Um, so there were some tweaks to the rules a few weeks ago. Um, what brought that on? Was it just feedback and um, sort of focus groups, I guess, about um, the rule the rule tweaks? Which ones? The the ready for rugby rule tweaks. It came out about was it three weeks ago or so. Uh, yeah, I mean, just just uh, yeah, feedback. I mean, that's that's uh, you can obviously in developing ready for rugby. We um, bizarrely uh, we actually had to get New Zealand to play it for us because we weren't allowed to get that number of people on a pitch playing here. So you inevitably you 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 know you you think you've got it right. Normally, if you're doing that sort of stuff, you'd be able to. You know, do it week in, week out for three or four weeks with the same group of players and you perfect it and you'd video it and you'd analyse it and you'd work through what needed to happen. This was done so quickly uh, that clearly you you get a bit of video footage back and you adapt it on the back of that. But actually, you need to get people playing. And the feedback loop's really important here, uh, both from yeah. players and, and from referees, because... Uh, you know, if we're going to if we're going to play this game and we're going to keep referees active, and that's a you know it's another key piece that we've you know, people talk about not wanting ready for rugby matches, but actually think about when we get back to full contact rugby, if half of our referees have found something better to do at the weekend, then you know we we we're going to be in trouble, aren't we? So yeah. actually getting them engaged and getting them. Uh, involved and and they they inevitably see things that you don't always think about. So uh, hopefully it's agile, it's flexible, and you just keep it going. If if this Bar England Barbarians game can't go ahead because <laughs> few people allegedly went out on the piss, uh, could could we have? Oh, we lost you at the vital moment there. <laughs> 
we lost um, you at the vital I was moment. Ask to sure. say, um, could could if uh, England and the Barbarians play a, a, an international game of ready for rugby, if if the Barbarians can't find thirteen new players because they all went out on the piss, allegedly. I, I mean, I, I don't think you'd see them playing playing ready for rugby, would you? I mean, the whole the the, the 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 essence of that, the essence of this game this weekend is a, you know, the reason for it is a performance driven game. It's a it was intended to be a, a preparation game for England before they go into the last game of the Six Nations next weekend against Italy. Um, <laughs> so you know, he he is he is he is hoping that um, some players can be can be found. Yeah. Uh, if the barbarians need some help, that's what we're here for. Fill your boots. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Adam Gillings on Twitter. How uh, is the kids' first program ceasing? Uh, he can't see it on the new R- yeah. new RFU structure. It would be a real shame as it's made a massive difference. Yeah, no, it's it's not ceasing at all. I mean, we we had previously uh, in the structure we had a person. Um, managing and developing yeah, that program, um, Adam, and he's done a. You know, Adam's got a great new job in the new structure. He's going to be looking after the um, the, the the CBs, the constituent bodies in the uh, in a in a quarter of the country. He's done a brilliant job, um, and it, it's testament to him really that it's so integrated and embedded now in the work that we we do. Uh, we will have a team of. Um, of 24 coach educators as part of the new structure who are out in the game, running coach education, developing CPD, running coach education. And an integral part of what they will do is the kids first training and, and, and coaching. So, you know, you reach a point where and uh, something gets integrated and embedded that well in a, stru- in a structure where you, you don't think you need to, to sort of call it out and have somebody managing it. It, it, you know, it gets rooted in the system, and and we think that's where Kids First is now. Definitely, I think it's a, it's, a, it's been great. Uh, lots of clubs using it. I went along to the conference a couple of years back, and it was absolutely superb and so enthusiastic to see everyone getting involved. And yeah, it was great. So long way it continue. Uh, Natalie, yeah, have you any feed? Have you had any feedback about the pitch up and play? Uh, I'm not sure what she means there. Uh, yeah, it's been maybe. successful for our club, and do the RFU see it as a way forward for recruitment across all rugby teams and ages? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know the specifics of what we're saying, but if we're basically talking about uh, you know some of the bigger clubs who maybe move towards a system where you're not necessarily having to be in a team midweek that trains, that plays a fixture against another team on a Saturday, but 30, 40, 50 players rock up, depending on how many players we've got, we decide whether we're going to play sevens, ready for rugby, 15s. We get a couple of teams together and away we go. Um, we mix the teams up, we bring new players in. Uh, and, and I think particularly... Uh, in the women's game, in 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 a warrior and things, this is this has really helped because it it sometimes the fear of new players is actually yeah. going and having to play against other teams that you know want want they're quite happy to rock up. I mean, it's the I suppose it's the five-a-side soccer model of 10, 15 years ago, 
you, you you turn up, you put in a team, you play a game, you go home. Um, and and I think this is the innovation that we're looking for, really. In in in, in clubs, uh, we've got to take some stuff from from other sports. I mean, look at the, the how successful things like Park Run have been. Uh, how, yeah. how do you you know how how do we create the park run of rugby in a in a club where people can just rock up at a certain time every week? They know they're going to get a rugby ball in the hands. It's the same venue. It's often the same group of people. You know you don't see one park run going and competing against another park run, <laughs> but you get hundreds of thousands of people each week that that turn up and do it. So I think the more innovation like that we've got, the the better. It's how people want to consume their sport now. 100%. 100%. Uh, Lee Goddell, uh, with regards to coach education, I work on an as, as and when basis as a coach developer for the RFU. Is there is this opportunity going to be there for me to deliver courses on behalf of the RFU? Uh, yeah, Lee. I mean, we, we're still going to we're still going to need um, we're still going to need coach educators. Um, you know, it's delivering coach education, as I've just said, is a key part of the, the coach developer role, but we've only got 24 of them. Um, and, they're, you know, England's a, it's not a huge country, but it's still a big country. So we're still going to need people uh, out and about. Um, and, I mean, the development of coaches, it's going to be even more critical, a bit like I said earlier about referees. You know, the fear is that... that the more that rugby isn't played, the more people will, not just players, but also coaches and referees, will go away and find other things to do. Um, I think the other thing about coach development is it, it's it's not going to be, uh, there's not going to be as much sort of face-to-face as maybe we've always seen in the past. Uh, virtual stuff, mentoring people, sessions like this with groups of coaches, I think are going to become more and more part of the part of the norm. Definitely, definitely. I want to do my coaching badges and stuff uh, as soon as I can. So uh, I'll be looking forward to more Zoom calls with you, Lee. Um, we- yeah, and the, and the the positive thing is we're going to um, we just about and we just announced on Tuesday actually the the plan to to start to reboot some of the, the coach education courses. Clearly, it's stuff okay. that we could we can only do stuff that can only take place outside and there's going to be all sorts of restrictions. It's going to look and feel different, but it's great that we're managing to get it get it going again and, and getting it rebooted in some way, shape or form. And people can find that information on englandrugby.com. Is that Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So um, uh, I think we're going to pause there and we'll, we'll come back for around three minutes, uh, whenever you want, Steve. Um I really appreciate it. Sorry for the issues that we've had sort of during, but um, thank you for all your questions. Um, thank you to Steve for, for taking time out of his evening to, to come and chat to us and come and uh, answer all your questions and stuff there. Um, we'd love to do it again one day and we'll, uh, we'll keep talking and we'll keep um, getting information out to you, uh, to you guys as, as and when it uh, thank you Steve thank you everyone for watching no problem uh, yeah uh, no problem Sean thanks for thanks for having us again happy to do it anytime and uh, anybody out there you, you know how to get hold of us
Thanks again to Steve Granger for joining me and answering your questions. Huge thanks to Rugby Store for supporting our show. Don't forget to go and pre-order your new 2021 British and Irish Lions shirt from rugbystore.co.uk and get 10% off using the promo code FYBPOD. And for more information on Philly Boots, please visit fybrugby.com. Thanks again for listening to our show. I've been Sean Phelan, and you've been listening to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable. <laughs>